Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Nation, if you guys got your Bibles, head over to Genesis chapter 15. And uh, while you're turning there, Genesis chapter 15, we've got something going on in the life of our church that honestly, guys, like we would be foolish not to celebrate. And so you guys gotta help me celebrate this. You at home, help me celebrate in all of our chat rooms, that kind of thing. Um, Guys, just since we've had to suspend in-person gatherings, so during like the last 12-ish weeks while while we've been doing this church online thing exclusively, we have had, check this, nearly 400 people give their lives to Christ, that's right, man, and, and commit to baptism when we regather as a church. Um, in fact, that's right, we're, so we need to celebrate that. And in fact, um, this, it is this service, like this service right here, we will probably pass that 400 mark of people who have made that decision and committed to be baptized whenever we regather as a church. So we're really excited about that. Now listen, there's a reason that I celebrate that because you might be a person who like, man, you've never done that. Um, You might be somebody who's like, man, I'm still like unsure about Christianity. I'm kind of kicking the tires on this whole thing. And, uh, And you have never taken that step of faith. Or you might be somebody who's like, man, I have crossed a line of faith. In fact, like it might be during this last month joining in Lake Point Church online. I I really think I'm there. Like I've crossed that line of faith. I just haven't taken that step of baptism. I want you to know the purpose of this message is for me to give you a chance to take that step, for you to take that next step in your faith that kind of like moves you to the next level in your relationship and obedience to the Lord. And so I just want you to know where I'm going. But here's what we're doing today. Um, We're starting a new series. I need you guys to be excited about this series, by the way. Uh, We're starting a new series today that we're just calling Threeology. That's what we're calling it. Threeology is what we're calling it. And and here's what we're doing during this series. Um, This series, we're taking three, hence the name Threeology. We're taking three of, of those like big theological words that the Bible, watch this, always uses, but honestly, like we never understand. And we're taking each of those words and kind of going like, okay, what does it mean? And then more importantly, like, why does it matter? Like, what does that actually do for my life? And each week of the series, we're gonna unpack one of those words. Now, here's what I know, and I know you guys are probably thinking the same thing. Some of you watching right now, you may hear that and go, that sounds unbelievably boring. Like, that is not my thing. I don't know if I wanna go there. Uh, why, you may be asking the question, why do we have to do this? Okay, let me do something and you guys help me out. I just need to make a point really quick. So play along and help me make a point. In fact, if you're joining in with us church online and you've got access to the chat feature, I'm gonna give you a pop quiz and I want you to join in and, and help me prove this point real quick, okay? So pop quiz. First question, 
This is for all my fellow nerds. Where are my fellow nerds at? I got any fellow nerds? Okay, man. This is, I'm gonna channel my inner nerd right here. And here's question number one. Question number one, a creature in Middle Earth that lives in the Shire is about three feet tall and eats second breakfast is called a hobbit. hobbit. Everybody knew that one. That's awesome, okay? Now, uh, question number two, this is for fellow sports dude. Here we go, question number two. If a receiver, wide receiver, is about to catch a ball and the defender grabs his arm to keep him from catching it, the penalty is called pass interference. You guys are great, it's amazing. Now, question number three, uh, there's a little history to this one. Um, In preparation for this message, I just tossed out on social media, hey, what's something that every woman would know that it is that like, no dudes would know what it was, okay? And I got a lot of uh, very interesting responses. Um, this one was one that was both appropriate for Church Online and that actually worked for this quiz, okay? So here we go. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna show you some on the screen. When I show it, I need all the ladies and dudes, if you know what this is, I need everybody to say what this object is because honestly, before this week, I had no idea what this thing was, okay? So... Ladies, online and in the room, what is this? A beauty blender. Somebody said a mango. That's right. A beauty blender. I had never heard that before in my entire life, okay? Now, Now watch this, okay? Let me make a point. Let me make a point real quick. Listen. If nerds can learn what a hobbit is and sports dude can learn the names of 50 different types of penalties, and every woman everywhere can rattle off the names of 65 different makeup accessories. Listen, then Christians can learn theological language in a church. We're gonna applaud that right now. We're just gonna applaud that. Listen, because we believe that. Here's my working, uh, my working assumption, is if you can learn the language to order at Starbucks, then Christians can learn theological language at church, right? We're just gonna go there. And so that's what we're gonna do during this series, is we're gonna unpack these three words, all right? We're gonna unpack the words covenant, atonement and sanctification. Next three weeks, covenant, atonement, and sanctification. Here's what you're gonna see. What you're gonna see is that God blows our minds to capture our hearts. And you're gonna see that there's something massive behind each one of these words. So what we're doing today is we're doing what is arguably the greatest theme in the entire Bible, the narrative arc of the whole scriptures, is this word covenant, all right? So track with me, let's pick up in Genesis chapter 15. And then uh, I'm gonna point some things out to you in the text and we'll get right in. Here we go. Genesis 15, seven says this. He, God, also said to him, Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I'll gain possession of it? And that's the hinge point of this entire passage. Abram going, okay, God, you say you're gonna do this. How do I know? Like, how do I know that your promises are true? Here we go. So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer. Now, I'll be really honest. Um, when you read that, you may be like, what in the world? Like, bring me a heifer? That's, an, that's, uh, that's out of the blue. Abram would have known exactly what was happening when God said, bring me a heifer. He knew exactly what was going on. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to underline those words. Bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him. Now, watch this. He cut them in two and arrange the halves opposite each other. So get this mental image in your head. He slays these animals, cuts them in half, and then he arranges the pieces in an aisle in front of Abram. Get that mental image in your head. And then it says, as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, circle deep sleep, 
and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation that they serve as slaves and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, now watch this, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch. Now, those words are notoriously hard to translate. In fact, if you look at three different translations, you're gonna get three different words. But a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared. And watch this, passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a, here's our word, a covenant with Abram, all right? Now listen, uh, you may hear that, you may be going, man, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard, and I'm just gonna give this away. This is my favorite chapter in the entire Old Testament. Uh, let me explain what's going on here and what's happening in this passage. What, so let's start with this question. What the heck is a covenant? What is a covenant? Let's start right here. What's really interesting, the Bible itself, this entire book is really a series of what Bible scholars and the Bible itself call Covenants. In fact, you know, if we had time to do this, you could flip to pr probably about two-thirds of the way through your Bible, and there's a page in between what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there's a page right in the middle there, and on it, it, it just says those words. It says New Testament. Now, do you guys know what the word testament really means? That's another word for a covenant. The Bible is a story of two covenants, an old covenant and a new covenant. In fact, it comes from the Greek word diatheke or the Hebrew word berit. They mean covenant, both of them. And really, not just those two main covenants, really the entire Bible is a story of God choosing to enter into covenants with a series of people. God makes a covenant with first Adam and then Noah and then Abram, Moses, David. And then you guys remember what Jesus said. When Jesus was at the Last Supper, he said, this is the, my blood of the new covenant is what he said. Jesus entered into a new covenant with humanity. So the whole Bible is this story of God entering into a series of covenants with people. Now, here's a question, all right? You may be going, okay, that's cool. But what is a covenant? What do you mean, Josh? Well, let me say it, let me explain it. A covenant, it's a relationship of a unique blend, watch this, of law and love. It's both of those things mixed into one relationship. Now, if that doesn't make any sense, we actually, even though we don't use the word, we actually have some covenant relationships in our 21st century American culture. One of them is marriage. That's a little obvious. I'll get to that later. Uh, let me give another example. Um, so this is a picture of my, uh, my oldest daughter, Eliana. In fact, this is my favorite picture of me and Eliana. In fact, that's right. Thank you. On the count of three, everybody give me a big, ah, this is me and Eliana, all right? Now, um, if, if you can't tell by the picture, uh, well, let me just ask this question. Uh, you know, if you're looking at this picture, let me ask, a not, this is not offensive to me. It's not offensive to anybody. It's just a, an, op an open statement. Do me and Eliana share the same biological ancestry and DNA? What, what's the answer to that question? No. no, we don't. And that doesn't bother me at all to acknowledge that fact. We don't. Eliana comes from, she has a different DNA than me. Now, let me ask the second question. Is, is not a trick question. Is Eliana my real daughter? Yes, thank you for answering that question without hesitation. That's right, she's my real daughter. In fact, um, it, this, this kind of thing can really bother me. Years ago, I was in a grocery store and there was a guy behind me in line 
and he, you know, I started talking to him about our adoptive family and how we've adopted a few times. And right in front of my two daughters, he asked me the question, do you have any real children? What I wanted to do is say, hey bro, you're about to have a real black eye. That's what I wanted to say, like, hey man, not, not cool. So yeah, the answer to the question is, do we share the same DNA? No, is she my real daughter? Absolutely, how? A covenant. A covenant is a combination of law and love. Watch this, a covenant relationship, it's more loving than a legal relationship. I've got a contract with AT&T, but I'm not gonna cry if the company dies. It's more loving than a merely legal relationship, but it's more legal than a merely emotional relationship. Eliana has our legal last name. She's got a legal right to our inheritance. We, me and Janet, we have legal responsibilities to Eliana. If we fail to love her faithfully, Child Protective Services will show up on our doorstep and we can be thrown in jail with legal repercussions. So that's a covenant. It's a relationship that's a combination of both law and love. Now here's what you may not know. What you may not know is every relationship you've ever entered into in your entire life, it's one of two types of relationships. It's either a consumer relationship or it's a covenant relationship. Now let me explain the difference between those two things, okay? Uh, the motto of a consumer relationship, watch this. In a consumer relationship, the motto of the relationship is, I will be what I should be to you as long as you are what you should be to me. That, that's a consumer relationship. I will be what I should be to you as long as you are what you should be to me. I'll give an example of this. So I, I probably got an unhealthy relationship with the, uh, the, the clothing store Gap. It's probably, it's seriously, it's probably unhealthy. I, I own almost nothing that is not Gap. I'm just fully embracing 37-year-old dad. That's what I'm doing at this point in my life. And uh, it's because, like, man, that's like, that's my place. Like, everything fits. I, I don't wanna try anything else. Everything fits. So, so much so that I actually have a, almost like a personal relationship with a store manager at the Gap I visit most often. Um, her name is Ronnie with one N. And every time I walk in, she's like, yo, Josh, how was vacation? I'm like, Ronnie, how are your kids? We, we know each other, right? So that's her. We, we're, we have a relationship. But, but watch this. Yes, I have a relationship with a store Gap and with Ronnie at that gap, but watch this. If I ever find better jeans at lower prices that are more comfortable, Ronnie and I are through. We're totally through. Why? Because that's a consumer relationship. I will be what I should be to you as long as you are what you should be to me. Now, here's what a covenant relationship is. In a covenant relationship, the motto is, I will be what I should be to you even if you are not what you should be to me. That's a covenant relationship. Now listen, you know, there's two different types of covenant relationships in our culture that are really common. You know, you have a covenant relationship with your spouse, but then you've also got a covenant relationship with your children if you're a parent. Now, if you're not like tracking, you know, kind of tracking with this concept of I will be what I should be to you, even if you are not what you should be to me, just think about your relationship with your kids' parents. Let me just ask you this question, like, like for real, like, what are you getting out of that relationship? Like seriously, I just want you to think about this. Do they help around the house? Do they contribute financially? Do they make your life more easy and comfortable? No, they don't. They're loud, selfish, expensive, and guys, they're gross. Especially when they're young, they're gross. Listen, uh, this, is, this may be a little gross, but all the parents in the, uh, in the chat or at Church Online, y'all are gonna feel me. Like last week, 
one of our daughters is, uh, is in the bathroom and she's getting ready to, to finish. And she, like I said, a little gross, but parents are gonna feel me. She screams out of the bathroom, Daddy, I'm ready for you to come wipe me. And I, you know, I just, I just yelled back like, hey babe, one or two, I wanna know what I was getting into. I just wanna know, hey man, what, what am I getting into? And she didn't understand my question and so she yells, she thinks for a second, she yells back, just one more piece. Ah! I'm like, oh, gross, man. Gross, gross. Isn't that where I wanted to go? Listen, man. So seriously, think about this. What in a world are you getting out of that relationship? Do you love your kids because they improve your life or because they you know, help financially or alleviate stress from your life? No, you don't. You don't at all. It, listen, you, if they're not making your life better, why do you love your children? Because it's a covenant love. You've got a covenant love for them. For them. I will be what I should be to you even if you are not what you should be to me. And what, what God is saying in the Bible is he's saying, that's the kind of relationship that I wanna have with you. I will be what I should be to you, even if you are not what you should be to me. And guys, can I be honest? Here's what this means. You know what that means? What that means is that you may have given up on God, but God has not given up on you. It means that you, listen, when we are faithless, he remains faithful. You might be joining in right now and you have walked away from God, but I can promise you one thing, he has not walked away from you. He is a God who leaves the 99 to chase the one. You might be here and you might think, man, your actions, your choices, your behavior make you more lovable or less lovable in God's sight. God, can I explain something to you right now? God does not love you because you act lovely. He loves you because he is loving. Man, sometimes I'll explain it like this to our church. I'll just ask our church in this room I'm standing in. I'll just look out in the room. I'll say, hey guys, on a scale of one to 10, how does God feel about you right now? And I actually want people to pick a number. On a scale of one to 10, how do you think God feels about you right now? Well, man, if God's love for us is a covenant love, do you know what the answer to that question always is? If you are in Christ, the answer to that question is it's always a 10. Because God's love for you is not dependent upon your character. It's dependent upon his covenant. God has made a promise with us. And he said, I'm gonna enter into this type of relationship with you. In the words of our family's children's Bible, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. It's a covenant relationship that God wants to have with you. Now here's the question. The question is, that's awesome, man. But like, how do I know? Like how do I know that that is really how God is relating to me? Well, it's like, that's actually what this whole passage of Genesis 15 is about. If you look down at verse nine, you know, it's really interesting. Just track with me. We're gonna get a little theological for like the next two minutes, but stick with me because the payoff is huge, okay? Just stick with me. So there's a bunch of things in this passage that like when I first read them, you probably were like, that's weird. You know, like, bring me a heifer, <laughs> you know? Cut them all in pieces, lay them in an aisle, you know, smoking fire pot, flaming torch, you know, all this stuff. What in the world is going on in this passage? Well, here's what's happening. Um, it's the difference between what, what's called a written culture and an oral culture. You see, we live in a written culture. Almost everybody you meet can read and write. If you wanna enter into a contract agreement, if you wanna enter, enter into a covenant with somebody in a written culture, we've got a really easy way to do it. Like you just bring a contract, a written document, you put it in front of the person and we go, hey man, if you're serious, sign on the dotted line. That's how you enter into a covenant in a written culture. But you guys gotta remember, Genesis 15 was not written to a written culture. It's writing about what was called an oral culture, a place where people spoke and verbalized things, but almost nobody could read and write. Now, let me ask you this question. How do you enter into a contract, a covenant, an agreement, 
in an oral culture where almost nobody could read or write. Well, here's how. Instead of signing on a dotted line, what you do is you act out the terms of the contract. So here's what's happening in this passage. Let me explain this. In Genesis 15, in this culture, listen really close, because this is awesome. (laughs) In this culture, if a greater party, a king, a ruler, wanted to enter into a covenant with a lesser party, what they would do is they would ask the lesser party to go get a bunch of a series of ritual sacrificial animals. And the lesser party, remember, the lesser party would always bring those animals to the place where the greater party was to enter into the covenant. And then they would slay those animals and they would arrange the pieces so that it formed an aisle in between the lesser party and the greater party. And then what they would do is they would, uh, the lesser party standing in front of the slain animals, the aisle of blood, is they would begin to, listen, they would begin to walk the pieces reciting out loud the terms of the covenant. And they would say, if I do this, then you will do this. And if I don't do this, then you will do this. And if I fail to do this, then here will be the consequences. And if you fail to do this, then here will be the consequences. And the entire time they're reciting the terms of the contract out loud, they would be walking the pieces, walking the bloody aisle. It was as if to say, if I break this covenant, may I become like one of these slain animals. Now what you gotta know is that it always happened the same way. In literally every recorded covenant in all of human history, except Genesis 15, it always happened the same way. The lesser party was the one who always walked the pieces towards the greater party. Now, here we are in Genesis 15, and here's the setting. I want you to think about this. Everything's in place. The pieces are cut, the aisle is made, the blood is flowing, the greater party, the king, God, and the lesser party, the servant, Abram, all all of them are present. But just as Abram is supposed to stand up and walk the pieces, something very mysterious happens. In fact, Genesis 15 is the only recorded time in human history this happens. At the exact moment when Abram was supposed to walk the pieces. The Bible says that God put, quote, a deep sleep on Abram. He rendered him unable to do any work of his own at all. And then the Bible says this. It says, quote, a thick and impenetrable darkness fell. And then we're told that two things appeared, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. Now I mentioned this earlier. Those words are notoriously hard to translate. If you have three different translations of the Bible in front of you, they'll translate those words in three different ways. Here's what's really important. What's really important is that those are the exact two words used when God himself descends to meet Moses on the top of Mount Sinai. It's billow, listen, billowing smoke and blazing lightning. The Bible is showing us that in this moment, God himself is physically present. And, and at just the moment, when Abram should have been walking the pieces, God descends. One of my favorite Bible scholars, a woman named Sandra Richter, she's an Old Testament scholar, she comments on this passage and she says this. (laughs) She says, all the trappings of a covenant are here. Covenant partners are present. Ritual animals have been slain and laid upon the ground. The stipulations of the covenant have been recited. But did you notice who walked the pieces? Who by his actions, announced 
may what has happened to these animals happen to me if this covenant is broken. And then she says this, the Lord of the cosmos traversed the bloody alley in order to announce to Abram and his offspring that he would not fail. Listen, God was saying in this passage, what he was doing is he was saying, listen, you won't be torn to pieces if this covenant is broken. He was saying, I'm the one. I'm the one who will be willing to be torn to pieces if either one of us breaks this covenant. And my friends, that is exactly what happened. We have broken the covenant and God has walked the pieces. Now listen, you may hear that and you may go, okay, that's cool, Josh, like walk the pieces, like that sounds really dramatic and that kind of sounds really intense. But where do I see that happen? Like where do I ever see that God was the one that walked the pieces? Well, fast forward a few hundred years, actually a few thousand years in the Bible, fast forward to the New Testament. And you guys remember what the Bible says happened when Jesus came and he walked the earth, earth physically present. Do you remember what it says happened when Jesus was on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration? It says that his face appeared as lightning and fire. God himself was physically present. Then in Mark chapter 15, when Jesus was on the cross, the Bible says at the sixth hour, a quote, impenetrable darkness descended upon the lamb, the land. And then at the cross, do you remember what Jesus was called when he went to the cross? They said, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was ripped to shreds. Do you know what he was doing? Do you know what Jesus was doing when he went to the cross? We had broken the covenant and God was walking to pieces. For everyone who enters into a relationship with God, what the Bible's showing us is that God, God is the one that paid the full penalty for all of our failures to live up to the standards of that covenant. And guys, here's what that means. What that means is that a Christian can sin their way out of a lot of things. You can sin your way out of a marriage, and some of you have done that. You can sin your way out of a job. You can sin your way out of a good relationship with your kids and you can sin your way out of a clean conscience. You know what you can't sin your way out of? A Christian cannot sin their way out of God's love for you in Christ because God has promised that he will be what he should be to us even if we are not what we should be to him and he has guaranteed that promise at the cost of his own blood. He spilled his blood so that we would know, if you're gonna clap, you guys gotta commit. He spilled his blood so that we would know that that promise would hold true forever and ever and ever. Listen, we sing it, we sing it all the time. He took my sins and my sorrows and he made them his very own. He bore my burden to Calvary and he suffered and died alone, alone. That lyric has always struck me, he died alone. It should have been me that was there. I should have been the one that was dying, but he suffered and died alone. And so we sing, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Now listen, you may hear that, you may go, man, that is unbelievable, but it also demands a response. Like we can't know that, we can't see that and not like actually do something about it. So here's what you see in the Bible, it's really interesting. Every time in the Bible and in human cultures, when somebody enters into a covenant, there's always like a covenant sign. Uh, some of you guys don't even know that you're doing this, but you're actually wearing a covenant sign right now. You know, a marriage between a man and a woman, that's a covenant relationship. And when you get married, what you do is you, you put on a ring. You wear a ring. It's a covenant sign. It's a visible representation of an invisible reality. We see this everywhere in the Bible. Every single time God enters into a covenant with somebody, there's a symbol. He enters into a covenant with Noah, he makes a rainbow. He enters into a covenant with Abraham, the sign was circumcision. And in the new covenant, the, the type of relationship that we can enter into with Jesus, you guys know what the sign is? It's baptism. 
baptism. And it's, it's as if Jesus is saying, listen, I'll walk the pieces. All I'm asking is for you to walk the water. I'll walk the pieces. All I'm asking is for you to walk the water. Now, can I just like shoot you really, really straight real quick? Do you know why some of us, even though like we do have a love and commitment to Jesus in our hearts, do you know why some of us have never taken a step of baptism? Well, let me just like be super blunt. Like the Bible says the type of relationship God wants with you is he wants a covenant relationship. He says, I wanna be like a spouse to you. He, the Bible calls the church his bride. The Bible says, I will, God says, I'll be like a husband to you. So listen, God wants to be like a spouse to us. Do you know why some of us have never taken the step of baptism, even though we do have a commitment to Christ in our lives? Honestly, it's because we don't want a spouse savior, we want a side chick savior. Like for real, that's what we want. Now some of you are like, I don't even, what's side chick? What's that mean? <laughs> well, let me explain this real quick and then you can ask your kids later, okay? What a, what a, what a side chick is, it's like, man, when you're dating, hopefully not married, hopefully under no circumstances, it's like when you're formally and publicly committed to like one person, but then like you're keeping another person on the side just for like the benefits, if, if you know what I mean. Like, like that's, that's, a, that's a side chick. It's somebody that's like, man, I'm never gonna tell anybody about it. We, it's very open that we don't have like an exclusive commitment to each other, but like I'm gonna stay in this side relationship for the benefits and just keep it on the hush-hush, like on the download. We're gonna do that kind of thing. And man, honestly, what some of us do is we want this. We want a side chick savior. We want the benefits of Christ, but, but we don't, we don't wanna like live publicly so that people know that we're formally committed to him. Like we want the benefits, but we don't, don't want the commitment to be exclusive with him. You know, what some of us need to do is like, man, we need to end this covenant relationship you need to take the step of like putting a ring on it. You need to take the step of going, man, I'm going public and I'm going exclusive with Jesus. I'm coming out, no side chick savior for me. I'm coming into a covenant relationship with my, with my savior, Jesus Christ. And that's the only way he says that he's willing to relate to us. In a covenant, committed, public relationship. Yeah, I, I just want you to think about this. So my wife's name is Jana. She's a, a, like a four, 11 and a half fiery redhead. If I were to say to Jana, when Jan and I were getting married, if I was to say, hey, Jana, hey, I'm gonna add you to the women that I'm currently seeing on the side, but oh, oh babe, don't worry, because I'm gonna be 95% faithful to you. I'm gonna, don't, don't worry, I'm gonna be 95% faithful to you. No big deal, you know, you've got 95% of me. Do you know what Jana would say? She said, I'm about to knock 95% of the teeth out of your head. That's what, that's what I'm about to do. I don't want a relationship like that. Or, or imagine this. Imagine when I was getting ready to get married to Jana. I said, hey, babe. I told Jana, hey, babe, um, we're gonna get engaged. But hey, I, I don't want you now to wear a ring. And like, even when we get married, like, let's just kind of keep it on the DL. Like, I don't want anybody to know. So you don't wear a ring and I'm not gonna wear a ring, and we just won't make a big deal, a big show, a public display of the fact that we're married now. Well, if I said that to Jana, Jana, logically, what Jana would do is, is she would be hurt. She'd say, man, I'm questioning if this relationship is real at all. And, and here's what her logic would be. She would be thinking, wait, if you won't even wear a ring for me, you definitely wouldn't love me through cancer if I got it. You see that? Now, now listen, let me just be really straight. Man, some of us, the reason we've never taken the step of baptism, we're like, man, I, you know, I don't know, it just seems kind of weird. I, you know, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to get in front of a bunch of people. You know, I don't want to get my hair wet. You know, I, I kinda, it's, really, it's really inconvenient. Can I just say something like really straightforward to you? 
if you won't follow him into a pool of water, you definitely won't follow him to a cross. I promise you're not gonna do that. Man, some of you, you might have the exact opposite problem. Some of you right now, you may be going, man, I could never take the step of public baptism. I'm not living like a good enough life. I gotta get my life cleaned up before I do that. But let me just ask you a question, man. Like before you get in the shower, do you, before you get in the shower, say, man, I'm too dirty. You know, I can't get in there yet. I need to wash my hands before I get in the shower. I gotta wash my hands. I'm too dirty to get in the shower. No, the whole purpose of the shower is to cleanse you. In fact, the fact that you're dirty is what motivates you to get in the shower. Shower. It's the exact same way with baptism. People who are being baptized, they're not saying I'm living a clean life. What they're saying is I need Jesus to cleanse me and make me new and give me new, fresh, white robes of righteousness that I've never earned on my own. Our dirtiness, our faithlessness is the reason that we take a step of faith into baptism. And so for some of you right now, man, like while you're watching Church Online right now, maybe together with some other people, maybe alone in in your patio, in your living room, let me just say like, this is your moment. This is your moment to go public with the faith that you have in your heart and to like, in certain words, put a ring on it. No more side chick savior for you. Like now's the moment when you go public. If that's you and you know that you need to take a step of baptism, I just wanna ask you to do this. Whenever, guys, this is gonna be awesome. (laughs) Whenever we regather, we're gonna have the biggest daggum baptism service you have ever seen. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna, I mean, it's gonna be, you guys go. Come on, man, we're gonna celebrate that. It's gonna be amazing. We're gonna have hundreds of people that we baptize together and, and we want you to be a part of that when it happens. If you know you need to do that, here's all I'm asking you to do. Just text the word LIFE to the number 20411. Like do it right now. Text the word LIFE to the number 20411. One of our pastors are gonna get in touch with you and just start setting up that process for you to be baptized when we regather together. So some of you just need to take that step. Like you've already been committed, but not public. But here's what I also know. I know there's some of you guys who like, you've been joining in to Lake Point Church Online for four or five, six weeks, and something's changing in you. And you don't even understand. You don't even understand what's changing in you. And maybe you're realizing for the first time that you need to cross a line of faith. Well, man, today's your day. If you're in that spot and you're like, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to get into this covenant relationship with Jesus. Would you just bow your heads wherever you're at? Bow your heads right now. And I just want you to pray. Pray this from a sincere heart to Jesus. Just pray, Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've sinned. I know that you died for my sins. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. From this day forward, as best as I know how, I'm gonna live for you first. I give you my life. Thank you for making me a son or daughter today. And man, everywhere, can we just celebrate the people that are taking that step all over the place? We're taking that step all in living rooms patios all over the country, even in different countries, man, we are celebrating with you. And we just wanna say, you need to do that same thing. If you just cross that line of faith, it's time for you to go public too. And so if you made that decision for the first time, do the same thing. Just text the word LIFE to 20411. And we can't wait to celebrate this covenant relationship with Jesus that you just entered into. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. 
and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake Point.